Ninja. This morning I, I went to Buckingham Palace and I am forming a new government. And on Monday, MPs will arrive at Westminster to form a new parliament. And I'm proud to say that members of our new One Nation government, a people's government, will set out from constituencies that have never returned a Conservative MP for 100 years. And yes, they will have an overwhelming mandate from this election to get Brexit done, and we will honour that mandate by January the 31st. All right, well, that was UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson speaking outside Downing Street uh, the day after winning the 2019 UK general election. Uh, and what an election it was. Well, anyway, um, welcome everyone. This is Geography Ninja um, talking to you in the middle of December, just a few days before Christmas and just a few days really after the um, what was termed the election of a generation. So with that extract of the speech, uh, Prime Minister Johnson was referring to several things that really make this election quite different. In particular, probably the fact that uh, people voted, the, the people who voted Conservative in, in many instances were those who'd never really voted Conservative before, um, <clears throat> which meant really the areas that were traditionally Labour areas have now voted Tory, um, often for the first time in generations. We're, we're talking of changes that really haven't happened since, since the 1920s in many cases. Um, also, Johnson was referring to his government as a, as a people's government and probably what that is referring to is, is coming after a number of years of having a hung parliament in which it was really increasingly difficult for uh, the government, which in in uh, the early months of 2019 um, was actually a minority um, government, very difficult to make decisions and, and get anything through uh, Parliament in those in those situations. So this election, well, <clears throat> it was only last week, but I'm I'm really still trying to come to terms with it. And this podcast is really to look at the the geography of the UK 2019 general election you know we can use geography to to study virtually anything and the election has thrown up some really interesting changes that we can can look at on on maps obviously we don't have these on a podcast i'm just talking to you about it instead but hopefully um we'll we'll focus in on what what the uk looks like you know now that we've had this election what are what changes have happened um, you know, so for example, can we identify a clear urban-rural uh, divide within the UK based on on politics? Now, um, we'll also really ask the question: How does the twenty nineteen election impact on the UK's internal borders? So, for example, the border separating Scotland from England, but also what is the state of play in Northern Ireland? As well, so we'll take a look at the concept also of this, uh, the Red Wall of Northern England and parts of Wales. Uh, this is the the Red Wall referred to as these really safe, historically safe Labour seats that have now, um, in some cases, they've collapsed and they've they've gone over to Conservatives. You know why why this happened during the election. In the news. In the news. In the news.
All right then, well, in this election, Boris Johnson's Conservatives have won a majority of 80 seats, which equals the biggest Tory majority since 1987. <clears throat> and um, that, that was actually Margaret Thatcher's third term as Prime Minister. Um, so the Conservatives gained 44% of the UK vote, which looks like it's the, um, the, the highest... Um, uh, share of votes since 1979. Um, Labour, on the other hand, had its worst election result since, well, post-war since 1983, but I've seen some reports that say it's actually the worst one since 1935, which is a bit eye-watering, and they ended up with just 203 seats in the House of Commons. Um, remember, <clears throat> to to have an overall majority in the House of Commons, you need to break the three to five barrier. So for Labour, this was actually um, a drop of 59 seats as opposed to the Conservatives who gained 47 seats. So we really are looking at quite a big shift in the election geography across the UK. So just as an aside, as we're talking about the political geography of the UK, um, we might just need to break down the whole of the UK into its constituents. So, we, you know, we don't have presidential elections, although, you know, some people might argue that they've, they've become a bit more presidential in their style in recent years. But uh, in the UK, we vote for the the candidates in the constituencies and the 650 parliamentary constituencies which are spread across England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. So each constituency, um, there's an election, one member of parliament for each constituency. We've got the first past the post system, so it's within that constituency who gets the, um, the maximum number of votes. Um, and but there is different there are differences between uh, geographical differences urban and rural and it is the the rural constituents constituencies cover a, a far greater land area but have much lower population densities whereas those constituencies in urban areas such as london have smaller total areas of land but are very densely populated and um, most constituencies have populations somewhere between around 65,000 to about 80,000 in terms of population. OK, well, firstly, if, if, we, um, if we have a think about what the map of the UK looks like following the election, um, England, on the face of it, looks almost entirely blue, representing Conservatives, we're just a scattering, really, of red representing the Labour constituencies. And this is where the rural-urban divide is shown, I think, most starkly. So you've got the Labour strongholds, which are largely situated in the big urban areas. So cities such as London, of course, but then we've got Bristol, Birmingham, Coventry, uh, Liverpool, Manchester, uh, Sheffield, Bradford, Newcastle, Tyneside... Um, as well as in, in Wales, places in, in South Wales, especially between Newport and Swansea. But beyond that, virtually every rural constituency has ended up in 
Tory hands. And because those constituencies cover a larger rural geographical area with these lower population densities, more of England's land area on a standard map is going to look blue rather than red as a result. So just to give you an example of this, a place I'm very familiar with, in the southwest of England, uh, the county of Devon, so this is where I grew up, uh, it's pretty much a a rural county with just a few um, really big, uh, geographically speaking, big constituencies such as Devon North or Devon Central, Totnes. They're all conservative, so they're all blue on the map. Uh, On the other hand... The two largest urban areas, so Exeter and Plymouth, are the only Labour-held seats in the whole county. So you've got these little pinpricks of, of red in this in this sea of blue, really. And that pattern is repeated across the whole country. So, um, <clears throat> you know, with, with just a few areas being, being these strongholds of Labour support. So on the south coast of England, examples would be Southampton, Portsmouth, uh, Hove and Brighton. So, hmm, what seems to have happened? Well, it's, you know, it's a major swing towards the Conservatives and away from Labour. And it seems to be very closely based on, on the, the ongoing legacy, really, of the 2016 EU referendum. In, in other words, the Brexit uh, referendum. And <clears throat> just a quick analysis really shows that um, uh, in seats that were more than 60%... Uh, where more than 60% of voters uh, backed leave for Brexit in the referendum, Uh, on average, it looks like there was about a 6% increase in support for the Conservatives. That's quite interesting. So in contrast, those areas which were most pro-leave in the referendum um, saw Labour's vote decline by more than 10% on average. So Labour also experienced a decline of around 6% in the most pro-Remain areas as well. So we can maybe, you know, there's several factors that we can look at to try and explain why this um, occurred. So firstly, it's got to be the the issue of Brexit, and that's really been the elephant in the room of UK politics ever since the the referendum in June 2016, um, and as there's been a hung parliament for for the last three years, no, there's been no resolution to to this whole whole issue, and it seems clear that um, you know a general election, following what probably could be described as an impasse, I would say, could be seen as another opportunity. Um, to vote leave or remain for for Brexit. Secondly, um, the Conservatives had an election slogan which was "Get Brexit Done." Um, fairly clear, whether you agree or disagree with it, pretty clear. Labour's position, on the other hand, was less easy to pin down. So that may also have had some impact. Thirdly, the Remain vote was split between. Um, Labour's position, which we said is is maybe not not quite as as uh, clear as the Conservative message, and Liberal Democrats, whose election position was really you know if they if they gained power, uh, Brexit would be stopped, Article Fifty would be revoked, and that's an end to the whole thing. Anyway, we'll um we'll come back to some of these points before the end of this podcast, but we also need to think about what happened in Scotland. So any election map of the the UK 
following the the general election, Scotland appears to be almost in total contrast to England. So the Scottish National Party, the SNP, made quite a few gains, some major gains in their numbers of seats. So previously they had 35 from the 2017 election. That increased to 48 in the 2019 election. Um, and in contrast, the Conservative vote actually more than halved. It went down from 13 seats to six seats. Uh, Labour's seats in Scotland also reduced from seven down to one, um, with just Edinburgh South now being held by Labour. So again, you've got that um, urban-rural uh, issue going on. Anyway, here's Nicola Sturgeon of the SNP. So to the Prime Minister, let me be very clear. This is not simply a demand that I or the SNP are making. It is the right of the people of Scotland. And you, as the leader of a defeated party in Scotland, have no right to stand in the way. And Boris Johnson has um, apparently told Nicola Sturgeon that he is opposed to a second Scottish independence referendum. But it's, um, it's a difficult thing now, given how Scotland voted in the, um, in the referendum. Um, Nicola Sturgeon actually told uh, in an interview uh, to the BBC, she said, I accept that the Tories will rage against reality for as long as they can, but the fact of the matter is that Scotland has chosen a very different future to the one chosen by much of the rest of the UK, and they can't stand in the way, uh, in the way of the will of the Scottish people. So I think this, uh, the Scottish um, independence referendum is an issue that's going to rumble on and on, and whether there, there will be a second referendum anytime soon remains to be seen. But clearly that is, is a big um, outcome of this 2019 um, election. Geography Ninja. <laughs> Now, the other part of the United Kingdom that we need to talk about here, the changing political map of the uh, country, is Northern Ireland. Now, this has been, uh, again, a major issue in the whole of the Brexit um, debates uh, that have been going on over the last three and a half years or so, um, in terms of how how that will work, because this is the, the Northern Ireland has a land border with the Republic of Ireland, and this is this is the the one uh, land border within the United Kingdom and the rest of the European Union. So, how you know how is that going to work has been a, a a major bone of contention. Anyway, in Northern Ireland, most of the constituencies uh, in recent years have been split between. Uh, two parties, um, the Democratic Unionist Party, or the DUP, and Sinn Féin. Now, the DUP are uh, being unionist, unionist, support Northern Ireland being part of the United Kingdom. And up until very recently, <clears throat> they, they've been supporting the Conservative government. So under Theresa May, uh, there, was a, there was a deal, uh, the, the 10 DUP... Uh, MPs have been supporting uh, the Conservatives. They sit in the UK Parliament. Sinn Féin, for a whole load of historical reasons, don't actually take up their seats in Westminster. 
Um, so they, they don't, they, you know, they, they're not involved in the same way as the, the DUP. Now, following the 2019 election, the DUP have lost uh, two seats, whereas the um, SDLP, the Social Democratic and Labour Party, have gained two seats. But the big change came because the DUP lost uh, the seat of Belfast North, which had previously been held by the DUP Westminster leader, Nigel Dodds. So this was uh, was quite a surprise, I think, on the, uh, on the election night. Belfast North is now controlled by Sinn Féin, who are a Republican Party. So in that, what that means is they support a united Ireland. So also in the mix was um, the, there was a pro-Remain alliance. So, you know, in terms of Brexit, pro-Remain alliance between Sinn Féin, the SDLP and the Green Party. So those, uh, the, the latter two stood aside and they allowed Sinn Féin uh, to win that seat. So that was Belfast North. In Belfast South, um, the SDLP gained it and they allowed Claire Hanna to win the, state, the seat. She also stood on a pro-Remain Brexit position. So um, Irish writer Seamus O'Reilly, writing in The Guardian on the 16th of December 2019, brought uh, really said these changes in Northern Ireland, uh, tried to bring these together, saying that really this is a resounding majority of Remain parties. And he then went on to say that uh, you know, a mandate for Scottish independence vote um, now delivered for the SNP and the North, meaning Northern Ireland, now faces a credible prospect of its own unity poll and perhaps even the first sense that conditions could coalesce to make that long-sung song a political reality. All right, well, I think the final thing really to look at with this is the, is the, the concept of the red wall which is really uh, across places like the north of england the the, the midlands and the, these have been considered the the safe labor seats for for many generations now i've got to say i've i've lived in the uk for my whole life i've never really heard the expression red wall uh before 2019 so i don't know if that means i've i've been sheltered from this or um or exactly what it might mean. But anyway, this this has come up in the election, and I think mostly because this red wall crumbled, so Conservatives have, have gone after certain marginal seats in the Midlands and the north of England um, and won them, basically. Uh, so these are... So examples would be places such as... Um, so Bolsover in Derbyshire, which has previously been, been Labour for about 50 years, or more than that, actually. Um, uh, former mining towns, such as Workington. Um, these, these are all leave places that um, voted quite heavily to leave the EU. Um, even Tony Blair's former constituency of Sedgefield, uh, that also uh, went over to the Conservatives. So the, the collapse of this um, red wall, it had been seen very much um, in terms of uh, influence by Brexit. In fact, the first one to, to crumble was Blythe Valley, um, which had been Labour for nearly 70 years. Um, it, it 
was expected to stay that way as well. And it was very close. Labour only lost by um, just over 700 votes. Um, another another uh, constituency was Wakefield in uh, Yorkshire, which had been Labour since 1932. Um, now, the Tories won that by a majority of over 3,000, but uh, it looks like that's more to do with a reduced Labour vote than a big increase for the Conservatives. So I, I think it's fair to say with this whole um, election at Brexit has had a major um, influence in that. And <clears throat> I, I think, uh, you know, I, I could really, this this could have been Brexit, the geography of Brexit part three in many ways. You know, we've already done two previous podcasts on that. Um, you know, it's having an ongoing impact on the the human geography of the uh, of the UK, but certainly I, I think for this podcast, um, what I, I really wanted to just get across is the the idea that there is a this clear divide, urban and, and rural, and you have got this potential for some future changes uh, with the UK's internal borders, particularly um, for for Scotland and for Northern Ireland, I think. And we haven't really even touched on, on Wales, but, you know, maybe that's that's for a... There's maybe less change there than there was in uh, in Scotland and Northern Ireland. Anyway, I hope you found that interesting, the, the geography of the 2019 UK general election. So we shall finish off there. And um, <clears throat> I'll probably... This will be the last one I'll do until the new year so i wish you a a very merry christmas and a happy new year and let's hope there's plenty of good geography that we can talk about in 2020 okay bye bye